I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. You know, people would ask questions like, did you formulate nap pods? And I'd say, yes, I made it in my kitchen. And like, did you make it with a restaurateur or a chef? And so, and I said, no, no, I, I, I own the formula. And he, you know, just asked me like, how do you know it tastes good? I'm like, I think it tastes good. <laughs> On this episode of Unfinished Biz, founder and CEO of Nut Pods, Madeline Hayden, tells us all about how her plant-based blend of dairy-free creamers makes such a delicious alternative to half and half. Following a successful Kickstarter campaign, Madeline brought Nut Pods to life both online and offline. And as a totally unsweetened product, it's a hit with the health-conscious crowd. But as many founders learn the hard way, cash problems can easily derail even the best idea. And I said, I, I have 38000 in my 401k. And, and so he's like, don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> like, don't ever touch the retirement. Everyone will tell you not to do it. Find out how Madeline's aversion to financial risk almost kept her from taking the entrepreneurial leap, why the timing of the Nut Pods launch was so tricky, and what the company plans to tackle next in an exploding category of dairy alternatives. Unfinished Biz starts now. You know, Wayne, we always root for founders who are trying to make their dreams come true. But Madeline does stand out. I mean, she's been incredibly scrappy. And I think the other thing is that she's such a nice person. She is. And, you know, the category that she's playing in has been really interesting. You know, the plant-based category has come a long way. Mm -hmm. And Beyond Meat going public has really taken it into the mainstream. And... It's not just Beyond Meat. Mm -hmm. It's really across the whole grocery store with yogurt with Kite Hill, Ripple, Mm -hmm. um, the supplement category with Vega. Now Madeline's Nut Pods has become the leading dairy-free plant-based coffee creamer in a category that traditionally had some pretty unhealthy options that were full of sugar. And Madeline, again, just you can sense that she's such a compassionate person. And I think what you're going to hear is she had to actually translate some of that compassion into being a bit of a tougher boss as her organization grew. Madeline swung by our VMG offices in San Francisco to share her unconventional founder story. It almost didn't begin because when I was in my MBA school, I had taken an entrepreneurial class and the professor asked on the first day with all of these, you know, starry eyed students, how many of you want to own your own business? And we all raised our hands because we were literally in an entrepreneurial class. Mm -hmm. And then we went through a whole quarter of different case studies and understanding about how to formulate a business and how to finance a business and how to grow a business and, you know, really inspiring and scary stories like FedEx. And so I, uh, at the end, he asked the same question, like how many of you still want to own your own business? I did not raise my hand because I had (laughs) learned about the immense amount of personal and financial risk right. that you have to do when you are betting on yourself and betting on your company. And frankly, growing up, you know, as the fifth kid of immigrant fam- of an immigrant family from Saigon, I had seen firsthand about just a train wreck of finances. My, mm-hmm. you know, parents raised us on credit cards. Uh, we grew up on public assistance, you know, until we got on our feet. Mm-hmm. And I wanted nothing to do with like that amount of risk. 
Wow. So, I mean, from not raising your hand, you know, how did you become like, what, what, what changed your mind? I think it really became a point for me where I realized that my idea could help other people. And it was something that I really believed in. And at the time, and whenever I say that, it really kills me because it's 2013, so it doesn't seem that long ago. But the industry for non-dairy creamers has just changed so much. But at the time, you know, all we had were like soy options, powdered non-dairy creamer options, Mm -hmm. hydrogenated oils, and, you know, all this um, sugar. And I was just thinking like, this blows. Like we get so many better for you options in food. Mm -hmm. And yet for something ritualistic like coffee, we're stuck with the same options that we've had since 1987 with Coffee Mate. So I wanted something better for myself. I had gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. I also had a lot of friends that were either paleo or plant-based or gluten-free. And we were all talking about how you know, there's just not a lot of great options for us. Mm -hmm. And we were making our own versions at home and uh, if you've ever tried to make nut milks at home it it's really messy mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a long time you can only imagine and so and i just realized you know this isn't just a better option for me but it's a lot of people that that could benefit from a better option like nut pods but where so, did the idea begin like where did the, was it i think with many entrepreneurs um it always begins with with a personal need so for me i'm Vietnamese, I am lactose intolerant. And then I found out 30 to 50 million Americans are lactose intolerant and we're still trying to struggle with these processed creamers. Mm -hmm. And because I had gestational diabetes, you know, everything had sugar in them, especially milk alternatives, because it doesn't have the same um, naturally occurring sugars that dairy had. So you add all the sugar to make up for it. Is that what's in like a Coffee Mate non-dairy creamer? What What's in those? Oh, sure. Like original Coffee Mate non-dairy is like hydrogenated oils before the FDA banned them, you know, and then all of these um, like cane sugars or, or sucralose or things like that. A lot of artificial this and that's a lot of flavors, colors, titanium dioxide, which helps you whiten your, your coffee. It also helps you color your, your walls white. Hmm. Um, you know, carrageenan. And so all of these unhealthy things that you knew weren't good for you, but it's the only option you had. And did you have a background in food at that point? So I am always like the dark horse because when I went into this industry, it's like people walk around like a coat of arms where it's like, I'm from vitamin water. I come from suja. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this, this food blue blood. right? Right. And so it's like, I I come from Puget Sound Blood Center, and so you know if you donate a pint of blood, I'll give mm-hmm. you juice and cookies and save three <laughs> lives. <laughs> yeah. And my my joke was, you know, if I can if I can get you to donate a pint of blood for juice and cookies yeah. for free, everything else is kind of easy mm-hmm. <laughs> until you try and raise money when you're pregnant right. and you're a person of color and you're a oh, woman wow, yeah. and you don't have any you know background in, mm-hmm. in food. So it just really became something that I really believed in. And um, that belief that it would help other people along with me and you know the market time mm-hmm. was right. People were moving away from big food companies. People wanted more transparency mm-hmm. in their companies that they were buying from. They wanted better options. They were willing to you know, pay more money for premium options because people are investing in their health. And also the 
kind of rise of e-commerce, I kind of saw all of these trends that worked for nut pods. Mm-hmm. So how'd you get it started? I mean, Robin asked the question of, you know, you didn't come out of the, the food industry. So what was literally the first thing you did after you had this idea? I did a lot of research. I, I got every free snippet sample of Ibis and um, all of these Mintel reports mm-hmm. that, you know, they give you just a little sample right? Yep. before you can buy the report for thousands <laughs> of dollars. You can only read like the first That's two right. and a half paragraphs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I learned a lot about like how many people were lactose intolerant, how many people were diabetic, pre-diabetic, mm-hmm. people that were you know paleo, gluten free, and also just reading a, a lot about kind of the the way that people wanted to move towards you know these trends as a consumer, and then also things that were hot button issues for them like carrageenan. And so I had created something in my kitchen that I was using. And then I got a chance to try it out with family and friends, toting it around in my little cooler bag. And then I am married to an investment banker, and they are so lovely to have and so useful. Um, They're kind of tough sells when you're trying to be a startup Mm -hmm. and because they see a lot of failures. And so he was telling me that he thinks it's too small of a niche. He Mm -hmm. thought that, you know... um, if the big guys aren't in there, there's probably a reason, maybe barriers to entry. And I, of course, like any wife, dismissed her husband. <laughs> said, like, I'm obviously right then. You're feeling <laughs> the other way. You know how that feels. Yeah. Exactly. But I, you know, because it's like you're not my target demographic. You right. have half and half. Right. You know, so you don't you don't know my pain. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and as a compromise. You know, we had a friend who said, you should do a Kickstarter campaign. And mm-hmm. Kickstarter was just starting to get going. And he said it would be really good proof of concept. Mm-hmm. And we could literally raise money because I was a stay-at-home mom. I had left the blood center to raise, mm-hmm. you know, um, my daughter and was trying to have another one. And so we did that. And we were ready to launch in September of 2013. And then we said, wait, wait, wait we can't launch now because everyone's getting ready to go back to school. So every mom doesn't have time to go to, mm-hmm. you know, right. support things on Kickstarter. Right. November and December are out because people are saving up for presents and for flights home. So the last window of opportunity for us to launch our Kickstarter was October. Interesting. Yes. And I was due with my baby October <laughs> 13th. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you commit and you and I did it, and I realized that I had talked to my friend Paul, who had done his Kickstarter, and it's like it's it's busy the first week, it plateaus, and then you have to like push, you know, the week three and four to get there. Mm-hmm. And and so I was fueled by hormones and <laughs> passion, and I had my baby as planned, and we had our Kickstarter, and it actually became this beautiful thing for our brand where. I mean, how personal is that? You see this pregnant woman who's really inspired to do something different. Absolutely. And then she has a baby, and, you know, we call Claire our first nut poddling. <laughs> and they got to see this family kind of grow with the business. And so then we went on social media, and a lot of it was, you know, just sharing about what we wanted to do. And they got a chance to know us and know what nut pods was going to be before we actually had a product. That actually took two years of formulation work. So two years of Kickstarter backers who got their like coffee mug and logo <laughs> stickers, but right, not right. any actual nut pods. Right. Because I had a transition from being a consumer that said, 
we're going to come out with a clean, you know, plant-based, dairy-free alternative to half and half made from almonds and coconuts, and we're not going to have any artificial flavors or colors or carrageenan. We're going to be completely unsweetened. And then I had to actually make it. (laughs) And I had um, been told by somebody that a formulation is probably $10,000. Let me assure you, they did not come from an aseptic background. Mm -hmm. And that the $30,000 that we raised from Kickstarter paid for like one trial. Right. And so we ended up going through 28 trials. Oh, wow. And it was really hard for like two years to try and communicate with Kickstarter backers about, you know, what you were trying to do, why it was hard to create something like this and about what we were doing, Mm -hmm. you know, to like, what are we going to try next? And two years is a long time, especially, I mean, this is during a period when you're raising your kids at any point where you like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yes, many, <laughs> many times, many times. It's, and how did it's you, never one point. Yeah, the 15th trial out of 28? Yeah. <laughs> I, we had gone to the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And we had started out with food technologists that knew non-dairy creamers and knew plant-based, and they had experience with both, and they couldn't get it. And we, we changed out our food technologists for mm-hmm. another one. We ended up at the best of the best, and we were, we were on our, like, we did three trials there. And this is kind of where you go to fix your formula. Right. And, you know, they couldn't get it done because the the toolbox I gave them was very small. It was like a hammer and a screwdriver, only mm-hmm. Allen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Because of all the certifications we wanted to, to hit because of the way that I had talked about nut pots being unsweetened. And, you know, it's, it's there are sacrifices that you make. And when it came back and, and it was like, it was the last of the money. It felt like Las Vegas where you like signed off on your last like trial run with the last of your money. Right. And and it came back and it just it didn't hold together. And oh. I was just all like, Where do we go from here? Right. Like where do we go from here? And my consultant at the time, who's now my VP of operations, said Madeline, I I don't know where to go. Like we're we're really at the last stop of where people go, and this is where big food companies right. go. Mm-hmm. And so, and I I uh, went to the food technologist there, and I looked at him with my big like puppy dog eyes, and I said, I am not like General Mills. Like I don't have an endless amount of R and D. You know, this is the last money I have, and I and I said, I just need you to tell me, like, can it be done? I mean, you know. We're not building iPhones. We're not going to the moon. We just right. want like a healthy, like non-dairy creamer. And he said, I can't promise you anything, but I think we can get there. I just, I, I, we're on the cusp. I think I can get you there, but I can't guarantee anything. So I called my husband at this point, you know, cause he wanted to know how the trial went. And I, and I was, and I said it, it failed again. And so, and he said, well, like, we're out of money. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I just need one more run. Like, he, you know, my, my guy says he can do it. Right. And, and so, and he said, well, we don't have any more money. And cause he was paying for our, our right. whole family mm-hmm. of four at the time. Right. And I said, I, I have 38,000 in my 401k. And, and so, and he's like, don't, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, don't ever touch the right. retirement. Everyone will tell you not to do right. it. 
He said, we can raise the money. And I said, Jeff, I'm not raising any more money from from people if I don't believe in myself. And I said, and he said, you know, that's our retirement money. And so I said, we technically still have your retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got at least two runs here. We're good. Yeah. And so, and... And, yeah, yeah. and I haven't asked us to tap into your 401k. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, exactly. And so he, you know, it was hard for him, you guys. Like, sure. he didn't want me to do it. He also didn't want to fail me as a husband because he saw how hard I had mm-hmm. been working to bring this to market. And, you know, at the end of the day, he chose to support me mm-hmm. and we'll figure out the money piece later. And at that point, you know, I think he just he just wanted to he just wanted to help me and mm-hmm. not hinder me because mm-hmm. I was already feeling pretty low. So and, did it work? Oh, it worked. Yeah. So did it work? Yeah, it worked. It and worked. This is the 30th. 20, so 29th. 20, the 29th. Oh, the wow. 29th. That's when it held together. That's that's not all the bench formulas that yeah. you do. It's mm-hmm. the actual like Run. runs yeah. that you yeah. do. And so it was the 29th, and it was like it, just elation, mm-hmm. you know? It, elation and plus like, oh my gosh, we have to like produce this and then like make sure it works out because we couldn't afford like shelf life studies right. <laughs> after right. that. It was real time shelf life right. studies. Exactly. Yeah, we're gonna find out. <laughs> exactly. Each month, okay, we're, we're good for a month. <laughs> yeah. Now, now two. That's Great. right. Now it's three. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I would still drink this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Just shake well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, um, and I think the other moment that I seriously thought about quitting was when I was trying to raise money. Mm-hmm. And I had always been told, like, it's going to get easier after you have your first anchor investor. And I finally, you know, after 5000 10000 um, I found someone that had verbally committed to $100,000, which is like so... So what point was this? Right. Was this, this after? Was this after the 29th after, run? After the 29th run. Okay. Okay. So, so we were ready. Like, we had our formula. Yeah. Right. So now we need to go in production because mm-hmm. okay. we didn't have any money for production because we used it all in R&D. And Kickstarter was done at that point. Didn't Jeff, well, Kickstarter paid for ago. like the first run. But didn't your husband Jeff still have his 401k? Yes, but he was not willing. That was the oh, deal. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Yeah, okay. And so, so then you had to raise money to, so to, had to, to drive it money. forward after you have this formula that's stable. Exactly, and that's and after we you, maxed out all of our credit cards. You how know? much did you raise at Kickstarter? Thirty-two thousand. Thirty-two thousand, and then that that was that partially funded. That was some one of the tri- run. One run, and then you you fund out of your savings. You funded the other. 27 runs no family no. and friends family and friends did the the rest yeah. until we got there and, and then your and 401k we, paid for the for 29th the yes mm-hmm. and then at that point we needed to have money and so i i found my anchor investor it was supposed to be so much easier mm-hmm. and um you know he was someone in my husband's circle and so it wasn't like a stranger stranger angel investor and then he backed out Oof. and it was it was probably like one of the ones where I just I cried out of like just defeat because mm-hmm. it had been so hard and it you know it's a very soul crushing experience to raise money sure. because I'm pregnant or a new mom with a newborn in my car seat next to me you know and it feels so personal. They're either saying no to you or your idea or your product. Mm-hmm. And so, and I didn't, I didn't know at the time that sometimes they say no because you're not a fit for their portfolio mm-hmm. or they're not a fit for your stage of business. Right. It just felt like I'm a no. Mm-hmm. And so, 
And after, you know, like someone in my husband's circle, like backed out, it's kind of like, well, how am I supposed to get like a right. stranger, stranger? Right. And so, and, and what, I, what reason did they say? He didn't know the space. Okay. Yeah. He didn't know the space and that, you know, like he had never invested this early before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so kind of reconsidered and then decided to back out. And I, I get it, mm-hmm. but it was, it was so hard. How did you know how much you were trying to raise or, and, and who you even wanted to go out to at that point? The answer, no matter what the entrepreneur tells you is they don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is yep. They don't know. So you make your best guess, mm-hmm. but you can't. You can't estimate what your tolling or your ingredients or your manufacturing production costs are going to be mm-hmm. because you actually haven't secured a co-packer or right. signed any contracts with your commercial, you know. So what did um, you pick? What did I pick? What amount did you pick? So we ended up picking like 200000 Okay. Mm-hmm. seemed like a lot of money. <laughs> so, af- <laughs> so, so after the, the, the family friend backed out, wh- where did you go from there? I cried. Yeah. I talked to Jeff about how hard it was, and he told me, he said, you can quit after you get on shelf, but you can't quit before. Okay. Because he had seen me gone through so much to get like a commercial formula. Yeah. And then I had an advisory board member at the time, uh, advisory board, and you know, one of them gave me a really good advice, and he said, I've done the hard part, which is to create something that people want and to have the idea. And then, you know, the, the money part is going to be out there. You just mm-hmm. got to find your way to them. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know, that the only person that this business is ever going to hinge on is me. Mm-hmm. And so, and that has taken me through, you know, like any investor, any employee, like any advisory board where, mm-hmm. you know, people come and go or um, they have to cycle out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, the constant is, is me here. And pushing through and believing in myself and believing in the product. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, you know, we, we we never got more than like sixty thousand at a time. Mm-hmm. It was just a game of inches. That's right. And so, and we got there. And I think, in hindsight, being able to have all the challenges of not raising a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, and. I had a hard, I had a hard, like, you know, time at it because mm-hmm. I was pregnant and I didn't know the industry. And, you know, people would ask questions like, did you formulate nut pods? And I'd say, yes, I made it in my kitchen. And he's like, did you make it with a restaurateur or a chef? And so, and I said, no, no, I, I, I own the formula. And he, you know, just asked me like, how do you know it tastes good? And I'm like, I think it tastes good because <laughs> it, it does right. right and so so how'd you end up launching it in the market did you know i think one of the, one of the notable successes that folks have seen in the market is is amazon how, how did you so what was the next step on how did you how'd that all happen and it was that the first place it went constraints so not raising a lot of money mm-hmm. you know um knowing that it's hard to raise money at this stage made us really deliberate about how we were going to do things, about where we were going to spend our money. And I had two years of trying to figure out how am I going to make this business work while Mm -hmm. I was trying to work out the formulation anyways. So we decided to pitch um, PCC Natural Markets. It's a 12-store chain up in the Seattle area where I'm from. It's coffee capital of the world in Mm -hmm. Seattle. And we got into that store. And they were good enough to introduce me to my first regional distributor at the time. 
And then we decided we're going to we're going to launch there and learn this whole thing about retail because we don't really know about grocery yeah. stores. And then we also needed to launch on Amazon as a way to fulfill our Kickstarter backers. Oh, okay. And so we, we had given them product, but we said, please review us. We'd really like to hear what you think. I was so afraid because after two years, I don't want them to be like, I waited two years for this. <laughs> Can't believe that. What a ripoff. That would be the worst. Ugh. But the reviews came back great, and they mm-hmm. ended up starting that flywheel. Mm-hmm. So we were number one new release, number one best-selling item. We stocked out multiple times, which mm-hmm. is quite punitive on, on Amazon. We literally could not afford to increase our production order or add another production run, going back to the constraints right. of capital. And we couldn't go into any other store than PCC because mm-hmm. we were pouring everything on you know Amazon and in PCC, and I didn't want to stock out at the stores, too. So we literally stayed on Amazon for the first three years. Just selling there and then, you know, PCC and wherever else uh, our distributor wanted to take us. And it was so great because we, we knew that e-com was a way where people are already looking for your product. So they're highly like dispositioned to buy your product mm-hmm. once they find you. Absolutely. Amazon is a great way to have some integrity in terms of like, you know, buyer um, confidence, you have the rates of shipping, all of these things, and, and the social proof has been massive for our brand. So even though we're only four years on the marketplace, we have over 6,000 reviews mm-hmm. across our product. And number one coffee creamer and on Amazon, right? Number one coffee mm-hmm. creamer on Amazon by a long by a yeah, long by way. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, we ended up using, so when we we decided to push into retail, I was at first cautioned not to talk about Amazon because retailers don't want to hear you're selling to their competitor online. And then I just decided like, this is stupid. Like we are selling multiple millions of dollars online. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're a cold company where we don't have a customer base. Mm -hmm. And so being able to say we launched primarily online, we would love to go into retail in your region. We'd Mm -hmm. love to partner with you. We're already selling X amount in your geographic area where you have a footprint. That is the only way that we've been able to really accelerate. You know, in, in one year, we went from maybe 800 stores to like 14,000 stores. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is based off of our performance online. And then how did you fund that change? I mean, did you, did you, were you still taking in $60,000 at a, at a at time, time to do that? No, no. And, and, you know, one of the things that people don't realize about Amazon is not only are your cash flow superior, they, as a seller, they pay you net 15. Mm-hmm. That's massive yeah. for yeah. cash flow versus net 30, net uh-huh. 40 plus all of the deductions and the trade spend that you have. So we use that. And then we also just, you know, created a profitable company. Mm-hmm. We kept everything so low. We were three people um, until like year, until the year after we launched. Yeah. And so, and we, we're just very creative in how we we spent money. We we did a we just were super scrappy. Mm-hmm. I'm I curious mean, if there are three people, what were their what were the roles? Yeah, if there's only three, sure, who are the magical three? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was myself. Mm-hmm. It was Joe, um, who is my controller, and he ended up coming on board first just to help me be an accounting manager to pay. Uh, the bills, and then I found out he used to do some production, so he came with me to production runs. <laughs> Congratulations, oh. you're your production manager. Exactly. Right. And you know, oh, we have a three PL, and we need to figure out how to how to get 
these mm-hmm. pallets from A to B. And then, you know, we, he learned that one too. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, you know, then I hired somebody on a part-time basis to kind of help me with social media mm-hmm. just because I, I needed to now focus on other areas mm-hmm. of the business. And then she ended up like, oh, I think we're going to like do our little tiny tabletop at winter fancy food, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not even a, a booth. It's like a baby booth. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to ship everything or like all the, yeah. you know, all the union people and <laughs> all that stuff. And so she did all of my marketing mm-hmm. and we just, we grew from there. And so it was, it was the three of us. Oh, wow. And then we had some consultants that we paid mm-hmm. and um, we had people that, uh, you know, just kind of helped us on never an employee basis, but it was always consultants because you didn't have to pay as much, right? you know, in yeah. terms of benefits yeah. and hiring. So that's that's how we grew. And the other thing that I would say about Amazon is your competition doesn't get to see how you grow other than your reviews. Mm-hmm. So you can grow very stealthily online mm-hmm. with, you know, your competition thinking, oh, you know, NumPods is teeny tiny. They're right. not in stores. They just sell online. And so, and they don't really know. And then you can come out of the gates when you're ready for retail. And then, you know, I think I think we surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, with that, you've seen other brands launch plant-based, non-dairy coffee creamers. Mm-hmm. What's it like being the brand that actually focuses in this area as opposed to some type of secondary product for somebody else? I think you, you get a feel for who you are and what company you want to create. And I think as I honed my pitch for investors... As, you know, people ask me ad nauseum, like, do you want to be a platform brand? Mm -hmm. You know, where else can you go? What else can you do? We just wanted to focus on having the best product out there. And if I was going to ask people to pay a premium price and come back and buy me again, it can't be smart packaging or cute, you know, slogans. It just has to be about the product first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have so much opportunity with with just what we have here in terms of new flavors and in terms of like channels that we want to be known for being a delicious solution for a coffee creamer company. Mm -hmm. And that's what we focus on. It's what we, we do every day. We don't dabble in RTDs. We don't dabble in yogurts or, Mm -hmm. you know, ice cream or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We, we know what we're good at and that's where we want to stay. Right after the break, we'll be back with our featured guest, Madeline Hayden. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. Subscribe for free in the podcast app of your choice and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com. Follow us on our Unfinished Biz LinkedIn page and we'll keep you up to date on everything that's new. But now, let's get back to our episode with NutPod's founder and CEO, Madeline Hayden. So at this point, as you kind of look back on the journey, has there been a bet the company moment? I would say that's my 401k. <laughs> yeah. It's my 401k. Yeah. I, I would say yeah. that that's, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a good one. It's, that's right. You when know, you empty it out. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta look at yourself and just say, like, do you believe in yourself to bet your own money? For sure. I mean, it's easy when other people say they're investors, they know the risk. But, you know, my investors weren't like that. My investors were like my sister who did a cash advance for $20,000 because she loved me and wanted to support me. Like, 
we all know the interest rates on those yeah. cash advance. You know, I had a high school friend who was a single mom, and she said, I think you have a better chance of making some money for me than Wall Street right now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I was just, I ran on adrenaline to make mm-hmm. sure I didn't lose anyone's money. And I think that's, it's just an interesting point is that I think for some founders, and I'm sure you've seen within your peer group, to a certain extent, capital's been a little easier for them to raise. And by, because of that, they're a little bit less precious with it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, not necessarily by choice, but for you, capital, you've been very, very cautious with your capital, even you treasure it. And, you know, even the way that you build team, I know this is a little bit of a tougher question, but as you kind of look back on it, would you have done it differently? Would you have done anything differently? I don't think so, um, because there's a beauty in the way that your brand unfolds. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't have appreciated at the time mm-hmm. taking two years to get to a commercial formula. But those two years gave me an opportunity to just think about how am I going to build my company right. while I get this thing figured out. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like, look, growing up as you know, a child of immigrant family, not fun. Like mm-hmm. I wanted the, I wanted, you know, the, the cool huffy bikes, you know, I got mm-hmm. the Roadmaster from Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yep. I wanted the Quicksilver, like mm-hmm. Hawaii shorts and I got whatever was at Sears, you right. know, but when you, when you grow up with a constrained relationship like that, you really learn about how to manage money. Mm-hmm. You really learn about like how to make smart bets about what is going to fuel our business. Mm-hmm. And I still have to make those decisions now. And so, you know, and if you if you take a look at our category, nut pods is really unusual, not just for the fact that we haven't gone into a lot of different um, categories, but just for, and not because we launched online, but it's because t- in my competition, all of them have raised a hundred thousand, uh, excuse me, a hundred million and more. Mm-hmm. You know, we have only raised less than. Five. Right. So, so many people dismissed us because we didn't have the money, we didn't mm-hmm. have the experience, you know, we were new to the space. You look back and you think those are all the things that ended up being these hidden gifts because we didn't have um, a war chest to just go out there and spend. Try, th- yeah. Or also like this limited thinking of like, well, this is the way it has to be because mm-hmm. everyone right. goes to retail. Yep. If we had gone into retail, we would be out of business. Mm-hmm. If we had tried an omni-channel strategy, we probably would be out of business. If I had gotten my formula done in 2013 instead of 2015, I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because it was this perfect storm of like e-com lifting up, the rise of all these specialized diets. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a couple more years of people that were learning about their environment and plant-based and vegan, forks over knives, like all of this collective consciousness of the consumer choosing better better options mm-hmm. had two more beautiful years to develop right so that when we hit the market you know the consumers are ready for for an option like nut pods like you mentioned you know the, the market was ready for nut pods has there been a, a particular high point in that that journey of bringing nut pods to market there are so many high points there are so many high points and this is a good year This is a good year. Um, You know, the first time that we hit $100,000 in a single day selling pumpkin spice, that was a high point. We have a conference room named after pumpkin spice. (laughs) Um, I think the point that I was able to afford my investor banker husband to to leave his job and come work here Mm -hmm. 
and I replaced his income as an investment banker. That was pretty special, mm-hmm. you know, and just being able to transition from having this great product to building an amazing company where our employees are happy. They've been with me for a long time. You know, they're connected to what we're doing. It makes me feel like we're not just building great products, but we're building a great company too. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, being entrepreneur of the year and, and maybe Inc. 5000 <laughs> is pretty special this year. So we're excited. Lots of great things. And we're, um, we're number five uh, in the, you know, conventional channel with like less than 30% ACV. Mm-hmm. And if you combine our online sales, that puts us in like the number three. So mm-hmm. what that meant is that I surpassed, we surpassed So Delicious, which was the brand that I was using when mm-hmm. I created NetPod. So oh, that wow. was a full circle moment. Yeah. Next up is Silk. Next up, Silk. Yes. So. Um, what about a, a low point in your journey? I think a low point in the journey, you know, is is my team members are special to me. And you don't understand what a founding team goes through um, unless you've been there. Mm-hmm. So, like, believing before you have a product, believing before you have, you know, any real success. I mean, I have had team members that... that covered me on their credit cards for the trade shows because I was maxed out, mm-hmm. paid ingredients on their credit cards because I was maxed out and we weren't profitable. So we didn't have any lines of credit. And so, but there comes a time where you have to make some hard decisions about, do you have the right people in the right seats? Mm-hmm. And sometimes at the right point in the journey, at the right point in the journey. And sometimes, you know, I've had to say goodbye to, to good friends, um, mm-hmm. for where our company was going. And so, but I think the thing that I'm proud of is that, you know, we've always been able to maintain a good relationship after. Mm-hmm. So it was just more of a, of a, of a, of a parting, but you know, of course you always want to take your whole entire founding right. team with you. Right. I mean, that, you that's can. what a lot of founders and companies do struggle with. Um, and you're, you struggle with it as well, but I think you've, you've, um, been able to recognize that you can't just collect people all along the way and different people are appropriate for different points of the journey. And I think that's, you're already, I mean, I think part of that is the capital efficient nature and the, mm-hmm. the fact of need. But I think just the fact that you recognize that is, is a really speaks to the entrepreneur that you are. Thank you. I, I think the thing that's been a little bit of a, a growth for me is that, you know, we're really only four years on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So as a team, we're very young, but we've grown so much. We've gone through different phases of business um, to where we are today that, you know, I've had to really evolve as a CEO. Mm-hmm. And, and my team has had to evolve as a CEO where you have people where you bring them on for their attitude, for their belief in you, for their willingness to work for you, for mm-hmm. under below market wages, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or for, you know, stock yeah. options alone. Yeah. And so, and then you have or to for their also, credit card to max out. Or for you know, <laughs> yeah, they made a lot of like rewards checks. Yeah, it's all about the points. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. As you kind of think about it now, are, what what keeps you up at night? I think it's it's always about the people. So I have a great team. I have a great team. I always want to make sure that we're honoring the team that we have. So it's not just being able to give them a job or they connect with the product, but. You know, are we developing them? Are we investing them? Are we growing them mm-hmm. so that they can grow with us? 
I think it's also someone who, you know, you might have brought on board for this role, you know, now has to, like, change the role a little bit. So you have to, like, split the role out so it's more specialized Mm -hmm. as you grow. And so once you have your strategy, there's only so many channel strategies you can have. Once you kind of have your innovation pipeline, again, we're very focused on creamers. So we we know where we want to go there. It always comes down to just the execution, mm-hmm. and that comes down to people. And and I hire in the background of Amazon and Boeing and Microsoft. That's right. So it's highly competitive mm-hmm. in Seattle. Robin, I thought the start of the interview was was unique in that you know it started in a, a business school class mm-hmm. where they had to raise their hand on on who wants to be an entrepreneur and at the end after learning what it takes to be one she didn't raise her hand because <laughs> she found it to be too risky yeah i mean and she really did live that life because i mean emptying out your 401k maxing out credit cards having your family take out cash advances i mean that's really that's really doubling down i mean it didn't end there i mean she launched her business essentially on amazon mm-hmm. a great place to launch a business but um, one unique reason was that it's net 15 terms. Right. Um, so she could hold off on having to raise more capital as well as running a company with just three people for multiple years, which is pretty rare. For sure. And when Madeline isn't making the ideal cup of coffee, she likes getting her hands dirty, literally. I love gardening. I could tour a thousand and one, like, you know, garden tours around the world. I'd love that. I, I really just enjoy like spending time with my you know my family and my friends and I think that's one thing that isn't really always talked about is that when you are an entrepreneur it's really just all encompassing so I have friends that are very dear to me that I've known for a very long time and they kind of take a back seat because when I'm not traveling I want to be with my kids and my husband mm-hmm. you know and when I'm not working you know it's like so they kind of take a back seat and I'd love to have some more time with them all right Madeline it's game time okay rapid fire 60 seconds we're trying to get through as many of these questions as possible okay ready ready all right spider-man <laughs> I love that <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure potato chips what's at the top of your bucket list Italy uh, would you rather be able to speak to any animal or speak in a foreign language? Foreign language, being too. Favorite book? <laughs> I would say The Gift of an Ordinary Day. Hmm. If you could meet any historical figure, who would it be? Amelia Earhart. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. If you have one superpower, what would it be? Invisible. Read a book or watch a movie? Read a book. High five or fist bump? High five. If you could eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Vietnamese food. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite consumer brand that's not your own? You know, I really like Luxardo cherries. Okay. As a kid, what did you want to do when you grew up? Just be a mom. <laughs> <laughs> a celebrity crush. Bradley Cooper. He speaks French. Favorite way <laughs> to <he> unwind. <laughs> favorite way to unwind after a long day. Okay, so it's got to be James Taylor on Pandora and a glass of wine cooking in my kitchen. Pet peeves? Tardiness. What was your first job? Picking up litter on the side of the road, Ecology Youth Corps. Last concert you went to? Kenny Chesney. Prefer podcasts or listening to music? Hmm. 
music. Last question. What advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Never dismiss your gut. Boom. That's it. <laughs> Madeline, <laughs> thanks for joining mic. us on Unfinished Biz. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We'll be back on the next episode with Laura Modi, co-founder and CEO of Bobby, which makes toddler formula without corn or soy and sources its milk from small-scale farms in Germany that advocate for high standards in animal welfare and hygiene practices. After moving from her native Ireland to California, Laura thrived working in the tech sector, but after having kids of her own, she knew she had found an entirely different market opportunity. I knew my eating habits have evolved enough for me now to question these with confidence that this isn't what I wanted to feed my daughter. That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com. These are the opinions of Robin and Wayne and our guest entrepreneur and are not necessarily the opinions and thoughts of VMG Partners. And now a word from our lawyers. This is not an offer to buy or sell any investments. Entrepreneurs interviewed on this podcast may not be associated with VMG businesses and discussions of their companies should not be viewed as an endorsement by VMG.